0: Back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies. And we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if sounds like something that's up your alley keep on listening if not thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast you know what my mother used to call this podcast what dangerous
1: (laughs) and hi so this is the grindhouse girls podcast and we are officially on episode 22 I'm Brittany I'm Katie Hi. Hey, and I
0: believe it or not, I almost said I'm Katie because I'm so used to you. going first. <laughs> I know, I used to say, it first. but I was like, if we're gonna do this little line thing at the beginning, that was from today's uh, movie, by the way, The Neon Demon, the Demon, or as I like to call it, The Neon Demon, because, like, why not? Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> which is on Amazon Prime, is actually like an yeah. a, a Amazon exclusive. I found that out very recently.
0: Yes, um, it was like an Amazon Studios project, I do believe. And it was one of the earlier ones, because it was 2014. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and it was, ironically, I just realized this, because I was listening to a review, um, it was actually released the same year as The vavitch which is one of our personal favorites that we did for episode three? Yeah, I say. that's right, episode three or
1: two, yeah. And I think it may have been episode two, because I feel like uh, Midsummer and Hereditary was our number
0: one, and then I feel like Which was number two. Unless Nightingale was number two, Nightingale might have been two.
1: two. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yep. Sorry.
0: Woohoo. No, it's okay. We snuck in a female director between the two male-directed, female-centric movies,
1: which is like this movie,
0: um, which um, is directed. It's directed by Nicholas Vinding Refn, although it's spelled with a W, and um, he's a Danish director, I do believe, and he. Uh, has done a lot of movies. I honestly thought this was the only movie I had seen of his until he was doing an interview that I was watching, and he mentioned Bronson, and I was like, oh, shit. I've seen Bronson. Bronson's awesome. Uh Tom Hardy is in Bronson. He's mm-hmm. extremely woof in that movie. I think it was the first time I really had a crush on Tom Hardy. Um, Call me anytime, Tom Hardy, unless you're probably married. It's fine. Yeah, Don't call me. Okay,
1: so, quick interlude. So, the first time... <laughs> like seeing tom hardy was in the bbc's watering heights and he's actually married oh. to the actress who played kathy in *Wuthering heights that he acted with
0: oh that's okay i mean i'm just joking like it's fine but tom hardy is Perfect. like he is like the epitome of like my like hollywood crush i'm like oh oh tom hardy oh even like in mad max when he barely talks i'm like i mean he's still pretty to look at it's fine uh, but, no, he's he's also, like, a really, 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 really talented actor. You know? Yes. Just, just mm-hmm. to add that, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten more accolades. He always gets nominated for stuff, but he, like, never wins. I feel like... I always, like, in The Revenant, I think about how amazing it was. He was, like,
1: unrecognizable in The Revenant.
0: Plus, he's just... I don't know. Like, I can only always see Leonardo DiCaprio is Leonardo DiCaprio. But Tom Harding, like... Tom Harding. <laughs> Tom Hardy always, like ends up, like, being a different person. The other movie I want to see with him that I haven't seen yet is Legend, where he plays, like, twin brothers that are mobsters or something. Oh, it was very it. interesting, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, But, yeah, so I'd seen Bronson, which Bronson is about not Charles Bronson, the actor who did all the Death Wish movies, but it's about the most, quote-unquote, most dangerous prisoner in the British prison system, who renamed himself Charles Bronson. Um, But it's an interesting character study and there's a lot of really cool editing, but I will say there's not a lot of color to Bronson, which is quite the opposite of most of his movies. Um, Like only God forgives, which I have seen a lot of reviews of, and I still really, really want to watch it. I probably will do it. I think on the podcast, if I watch it and it ends up being, I don't know, or Brittany will choose it. But I feel like it's a movie that could fit pretty well into this podcast. Um, And then Drive, which I've been, I don't know why I haven't seen Drive yet. I love Drive. And, like, Drive is, like, um, I know I mentioned it before on
1: the podcast, Drive was one of those movies that, like, I saw, I loved, and then found out so many people did not like. um, And it kind of blew my mind. Um, But, yeah, Drive is incredible. It has an incredible soundtrack. Um, So, yeah, I don't want to give too many spoilers away for
0: Drive since you haven't seen it. But it is a great movie. I mean, and, and I've seen scenes from it, and yeah, it looks quality film. Quality film. And I honestly, like, I haven't heard a lot of people say they hated it. Yeah. Honestly. so I've heard mostly pleasant
1: things about Drive. I was about to say, I think the biggest thing with Drive is that um, its trailer did not do it justice. I think a lot of people probably thought they were going to see a very different movie than they actually saw. I think that was a lot of Drive's problem. Personally, I felt that
0: about this movie too, in my opinion. Yeah, like I was about to say that idea. I was like, the trailer makes it seem a lot more fast paced and much of a different movie. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think it does it a disservice necessarily. Like, I don't even remember the first time I saw this movie, I was like, I think it was the same day I watched uh, Nightcrawler, which we did a couple. I think, did, have I chosen both those movies in a row? <laughs> it's not really that important, but. Like, I happened to watch both of them, like, the same day, like, so I watched it, and I was just like, what the fuck is the Neon Demon? And I had heard people mention it on, like, best of 2014 lists, so I was like, okay, I'll watch it. it, The poster looks really cool, because it's, like, Elle Fanning as, like, a dummy, like, not a, like a, like a model dummy, not, like, a stupid person. You guys know what I'm talking about. Like a mannequin. Thank you. That is the correct name. Elle (laughs) Fanning as a mannequin. And, like, it's, like, half blue and half pink. And it's neon. It's, like, the neon demon. I was, like, what the fuck is this? And um, it starts out <laughs> as, like... <laughs> I mean, that's honestly my train of thought most of the time. When I cook on moves, I'm, like, what the fuck is this? I need to... Okay. Um, and sometimes I love them, and sometimes I hate them. Sometimes it's Boyhood, and I turn it off after 15 minutes, and other times it's Moonlight, and I'm like, this was the best movie ever. I had this since you say, uh, Boyhood, I thought of you instantly, so I was,
1: um, <laughs> looking up something being filmed this year, and Merrily We Roll Along pop up, which is one of my favorite song high musicals, and, um, they are starting to film it this year, and it's going to be re- filmed over 20 years. Oh. Seriously, I was like, oh, they're pulling poor, poor up boyhood, and I don't know how I feel about that. I don't
0: like that. Also, Sondheim will never get to see that movie, because the man's over 90. That's depressing. Maybe. He doesn't really, like... <laughs> I don't think he hates Merrily We Roll Along, but it was a huge flop. And even though I like a lot of songs from it, it's a very yeah. weird concept musical. It's like... Yeah. I, I can't even remember exactly what the concept is. But it's like, it's weird. It's weird.
1: Physical. That does enter. I do remember it does interweave over their lives over years. So it goes like back. Like it will start to be 15 at the end. Kind of like five years. Uh, The last five years in a way. If I remember. Yeah, her.
0: but last five years is five years, not 20. So yeah. like. It is th- two versus multiples. I think that's a waste of time. I just. Mm. i think they're I trying know. to do a boyhood they're like we're gonna win an oscar like la la land couldn't i was like la la land couldn't win an oscar because it was a really bad musical anyways uh <laughs> except for the ending i was just talking to my friend elizabeth about this she was like did you like la la land i was like no and she's like good me neither and i was like yeah that's how i knew me and Brittany and the podcast were gonna work when we both decided la la land wasn't that good i was like and we can agree. The only thing good about La Land was the ending, which sounds yeah. like
1: a really fucking snarky thing to say, but honestly, that ending is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a beautiful ending, and it's so bittersweet. And I love the ending, but... Yes.
0: I just The ending is a more. masterpiece. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, the rest of the movie is kind of... Ugh. Uh, and it, it forgets it's a musical in the middle of it, and it's just, like like, a good, like, 20 minutes of absolutely no singing, and I'm like... Yeah. yeah, don't understand it. Anyways, I'm gonna stop. I think I've had this rant before in the podcast, so I'm gonna <laughs> shut up. Um, but Nicholas w- Winding Refn, or NWR as a lot is, is all over this movie. Um, he is a very uh, singular director. In fact, he is quoted that singularity is the essence of creating from a YouTube video uh, called L. Fanning. Oh, Nicholas Winding ruffin Elle fanning and abby lee on the neon demon build series i think it's the youtube channel build series it's a cool little it's actually a really interesting interview they don't really talk about the ending which i want to know more about which yeah. i'm not gonna get to here because i haven't really heard anyone talk about symbolism with the ending uh definitively which i guess is okay unless Brittany found a uh interview i didn't um no. But it was, it was interesting listening to them. But he's very singular. He often has polarizing reviews. But he has some beautiful, beautiful movies made. And this is, I think, maybe one of the prettiest movies next to *Midsummer*. I would say. It's gorgeous. Um, speaking of *Midsummer*, by the way, they did start filming the new movie by that director called The Northman. Oh! Ah. so they finally started filming on it I'm very excited because it definitely got pushed because of COVID but I need to see more of him please dear god Um. so uh, yeah and also by the way did you know it's Keanu Reeves' birthday what I is- did I love Keanu Reeves and he's in this movie that was the other what the fuck moment because I wasn't paying uh-huh. attention to the credits at the beginning and then like so it took me a few minutes of him talking to be like wait is that Keanu Reeves What the
1: fuck is he doing in this movie? It's also really sad because uh, 14 years ago today, um, also uh, Steve Irwin passed away. Um, The reason Mm. I can remember that so vividly is one of the most important days of my life was 14 years ago because I attended my first concert. And that was like the best days of my life. So
0: September 2nd is a very eventful day. Rest in peace, Steve Irwin. You're flying with the alligator angels now. Or crocodile angels, I'm sorry, but alligator sounded better. I love Steve you know. Irwin. Just like oh such a wholesome human being, yeah. Bendy's having a baby, his old daughter, that. it's so cute. And yeah. Terry's still around. I watch so I know I feel like I know them because I'm like, you know, Terry and Bendy, and I can't remember the son's name, but he's cool too, yeah. I like, I like when Robert. they still robert they still come on like well not right now but they were still coming on like show like late night shows with animals and he's so nice he's so much like his dad so is Bindy, but Bindy's a little more like her mom but he's just like this this is so exciting i'm trying i'm not gonna do an australian accent because i'm gonna embarrass myself but he's like this creature is so amazing and look what they do it's really spectacular and i'm like okay you are just like your dad it's adorable. And I love that they all still wear like the same little like safari outfits that their dad wore. It's like it makes my heart like cry in a good way because if you were a '90s or an early 2000s kid and you grew up with Steve Irwin, like he was the shit, and like I, I I don't know, the whole family could watch Steve Irwin wrestle a crocodile. And like save a baby wallaby and just be like, Wow, this is great entertainment. It's wonderful. Um, rest in peace, Steve. Uh, oh, that stupid stingray that murdered you should rest in hell. It's
1: just like, the- could be like you've probably seen the like little um memes and stuff where it's like, you know the ironic thing about the stingray accidentally killing Steve it probably, probably he wouldn't harm no he wouldn't like be resentful, Sergeant. I know. He'd be like, It's alrighty, mate. Like I get scared too. Or you know, like you know,
0: he would have been. Yeah. Oh, it's just uh, whew. So the Neon Demon was released in 2014. They did have a premiere at Cannes, and it was extremely polarizing, like most of his movies. And um, El Fanning and Nicholas Winning Refn remembered hearing like boos and cheers from the first screening. Like they were in a different Area. I guess they weren't watching the first screening with an audience and they could just hear booing and cheering at the same time. They were just kind of like, oh, okay. And Nicholas Wininger was just like, all right, that's awesome. Like, cause he's one of those people. He's like, it's so hard to get any kind of reaction from people. You don't want a movie that doesn't have a reaction. So, you know, I would rather people hate it or love it and not feel like it's good. Cause you don't really remember good movies like you look at i think the, like the interviewer mentioned like you look at last tango in paris like every it was a very polarizing movie and um but now you have to study it in film class so you know we don't talk about movies that were big hits back then you know citizen kane was booed and jeered and now it's considered one of the best movies ever made speaking of citizen kane have you seen the video I urge everyone to go on YouTube and look up. There's a clip of Nicholas finding Reffin, and um, oh shit, what is his name? He uh, he directed The Exorcist. Oh oh fuck, William um, Friedkin. Really William Friedkin. Friedkin. Yeah yes. Friedkin. Uh, Friedkin. Friedkin. Um, they're doing like a an interview, and apparently he's like one of uh, NWR's like biggest uh, heroes, and he's like interviewing him. And at some point they get onto the there's a clip of him like reacting to Nicholas Winding Ruffin calling uh, only God forgives a masterpiece. And then he goes, he's like, What do you think about Citizen Kane? And then Nicholas Winding Ruffin's like, it's great. Anyways, about my movie. And he keeps going and it's really funny. And Friedkin keeps going, can somebody get this man an ambulance? I think he's having an attack. I was like, oh God, <laughs> it's really funny. Um, he was like, I think he said you're full of shit or something to him. (laughs) It was really funny. Um, so he's, I don't know. I always thought NWR was very pretentious from what I heard from critics. But after watching him in a couple interviews, I think he knows that he comes off as pretentious. And he's more of just like, uh, this is who I am and I'm okay with who I am. Uh, so I definitely like him more now that I've seen him in interviews. Um... But this movie was released in 2014, and um, when it was released, um, I, I think it was quite the shocker because it's a movie about, like, the modeling industry, but it kind of turns into a whole other thing. And with that, I'll kind of do a little bit of a summary, unless there's any points you want to do, Brittany.
1: Real quick, I was thinking, I was like, I thought it was 2016. It was 2016. The Dion Dion was directed
0: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good, because I was,
1: like, doing the math with Elle Fanny, and I was like, I don't think she... Okay, Wait, let me see. I kept trying to find it on my
0: IMDb. And it didn't have, like, the and year. Made it was film in like, 2014
1: and released in 2016. Oh, you know
0: what? It was filmed. She was 16 when she was cast. She was 17 when they were filming. And she was 18 when it was released. So it did okay, take a while enough. for the movie to be released. I'm sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> but I that, know I when
1: guess I you I- 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 to, like, go back and, like, have to edit and go, so, actually, I've been saying this movie was... <laughs>
0: I did that with, I'm going to go ahead and apologize before I go on to the summary. Um, I want to apologize because I called Lily Taylor, Lily Allen, for like an entire episode. And Lily Allen is a singer. I might have apologized about this last time, but I just feel really bad about it because I know who Lily Taylor is and I know who Lily Allen is. But for some reason, my brain just put them together And I was like, you know, Lily Taylor, I never get to see her act that much. So I love when she's in something. And then, like, Brittany's just politely nodding, like, sure, yeah. She's like, oh, did Lily Allen start acting or whatever? And, um, no, it's Lily Taylor. I'm sorry. Lily Taylor, you should do more movies, because I haven't seen you in something in a while. And you're really good. Please do more movies. I definitely knew she wasn't Lily Tomlin. I think that's why I wouldn't call her Lily Tomlin. So I was like, what other Lily do I know? Hmm, who, Lily Allen has some pretty good tunes. I like Fuck You, it's pretty good. Anyways, on to the Neon Demon. Uh, I'm gonna do a, a quick summary before we get into spoiler territory because uh, there's not a whole lot of note to talk about this movie before you get spoilery. Like, we can get into a little bit of it. Um, Anyways, in the cutthroat world of the LA modeling scene, young orphan Jessie stunts her way to the top. On the way, she catches the attention of three young women who would do anything, at any cost, to get what she has. And I guess we should probably go through the cast a little bit. Yeah. So Elle Fanning is Jessie, the main character. She plays a very young, small-town girl who moves to L.A. in the hopes of becoming a model. Because in her own words, this was really sad. She was like, I can't sing. I'm not good at math. I don't really have any talent but I am really pretty and I can make money with pretty. And I was like, I mean, that's true, but it's also really depressing. I'm sh- yeah. And like her sweet boyfriend, who's played by uh, Carl, is it Gloosman or Glousman or Glusman? Yeah. I never know like how to say it.
1: Based on like the spelling of it.
0: Yeah. Who he spent, he spent stuff. Like I know his face. Um, He I was know. in like, Gaspar, no way. Yes, he was in Love, but he was also in Nocturnal Animals oh, and yeah. Devs. If you've seen Devs, he's in... I, he might just be in the first couple episodes of Devs, because I'm pretty sure something terrible happens to his character in the first couple episodes, because um, I haven't finished Devs yet. Don't spoil it for us in the, in the comments, please. But uh, it's pretty good. It's just a little bit... I, I was falling asleep, honestly, watching it. It wasn't that it was its fault. It has very, like... um ambient music going on and like during scenes and I was like kind of tired the day I was watching it and I literally like started falling asleep I was like I have to turn this off so I don't miss stuff because this is interesting um and then so he's kind of like no 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 no. I'm sure you have some kind of talent she's like no not really he's very he wants to be a photographer but he's very amateur as the professionals put it they're like yeah it's a little amateur hour but in the beginning She's a very, like, kind person, and she kind of turns into kind of a bitchy person. We'll go more into that later. Um, The three girls that she meets that are uh, the good girls, like Ruby says, played by Jenna Malone. Um, Bella Heathcote plays Gigi, who's kind of a stuck-up, like, uh, fake beauty. She's not ashamed that she's had tons of plastic surgery, and she's kind of just, she's like a Frankenstein. She's just kind of put herself together she's perfect in her eyes but she has no like natural beauty and then we already talked about sarah sarah's kind of like a vulnerable model who was at the top of her game but is kind of on her way out and she's very depressed about that and then ruby is not a model she's a makeup artist who hangs out with Gigi and sarah and she kind of has a fascination an obsession with jesse and then uh there's a couple of supporting characters of note um Christina Hendricks from Mad Men and, was it Good Girls is the new show she's on, uh, is Roberta. She's a modeling agent. And I'm. she's only in, like, two scenes. But I was like, Christina Hendricks. I love Christina Hendricks. She's just, like, she just delivers lines really well and with purpose. But she's also, like, fucking gorgeous. Like, I really, like, I did consider going redheaded because, like, once my sister was like, you know, you could play, like, a Joan character. And I was like, should I dye my hair red? I don't know. But I decided not to because it's really hard to get red out of your hair if you're blonde. But uh, anyways, Christina Hendricks is awesome. She's dropped dead gorgeous and she's a great actress. And then um, there's Desmond Harrington as Jack, this, like, very famous um, photographer that everyone talks about. And I I note him down because I was like, I know that guy. And I was like, oh, my God, he plays um, uh, Deb's partner on A Couple Seasons of Dexter. And I can't remember the partner's name, but he's, like, he's, like, the one guy after uh, Agent Dokes disappears, gets out of the picture, that, like, thinks Dexter might be a serial killer. Like, he's, like, very, like, Debbie Brothers fucking weird. And then he's, like, I don't remember what happened to him in the series, but, like, uh, yeah. he he He's a pretty good actor. Um, He's kind of a dick in this movie, but he's not, he's not the dickiest dick, I will say. I thought he was going to be, like, a total villain and he ended up kind of not being a total villain meanwhile Keanu Reeves plays Hank who's like the um, proprietor of the cheap motel that Jesse's staying at he is a complete and total dick in this movie and it's real weird I don't think he had done a lot in a few years I think this was before he started doing some of is it John Wick that he does yeah. those action mm-hmm. movies like this is before he started doing John Wick movies and before this new Bill and Ted which just came out last weekend I can't wait to see it um he, he kind of with I mean, I felt bad. I didn't really know what was going on with uh Keanu Reeves. And like I know that his like fiance died or his girlfriend died while she was pregnant with her like only child. And it's very sad, like in a car accident, I think. So yeah. I think he had some rough years. And I will say, there's parts in this movie where his character kind of reminds me of that sad Ben Affleck smoking um meme. <laughs> like no I feel bad that Ben Affleck's going through a really rough time too but like I don't know I was like this is very real when he's just like can't light a cigarette he's getting frustrated with himself I'm like oh my god this is what um Ben Affleck's going through right now (laughs) like this is so sad um but I think he does a really good job as kind of like a jerky guy and um that's really the only people of note there's some other like fashion designers and things that you kind of float in and out which give really good performances but aren't really they're like either uncredited or um you know just not i don't know not as of note is there anybody else you would mention yeah that- the only other thing
1: i would say would be robert uh, sarno who is played by alessandro nivola who is the fashion designer he has a few big scenes uh or not like big big scenes so this movie is like it's really interesting because it's, it's very female focus um so it's like the male characters are definitely supporting characters like they mm-hmm. do not play big parts at all and i want to say in the third half of the film they disappear entirely
0: so yeah like, pretty much yeah. until jack comes in in the very last scene and he's not really yeah. playing that much of a part
1: exactly like the last 25 minutes of the film other than jack playing like a minute and a half part it's like it's all girls at the end yeah. of the movie
0: which is interesting uh nicholas winding Raffin, before we get into spoilers uh Apparently, he came up with the idea for this movie while he was having lunch with Christina Hendricks, and he just told her he was like, "I want to make a a movie, a female driven horror movie." And she was like, "Well, w- what is it gonna be about?" And he was like, "I don't know, but it's gonna have a lot of blood and high heels." And oh. <laughs> and I read it. I read in an interview that he thought uh, he was
1: he was thinking about. He was like, "I wasn't born attractive, but my wife mm-hmm. was. and I was wondering what a day in her life would be essentially like, like when you're born."
0: Yeah. And yeah he was a, I think there was he woke up one day and he's like man I was not born attractive <laughs> I was like oh that's so sad um I mean I don't think he's an ugly person but I mean I, I he's I wouldn't call him a supermodel either I think he does put himself together very nicely so don't sell you short yourself short Nicholas Finding Refn um and he also like asked almost all the people that he interviewed or like he asked Elle Fanning cause he knew he wanted Elle Fanning for that part. And she had seen drive several times. It's really cute. She said that she was in like uh South Africa and the only station that was in English where she was filming something kept playing two movies drive and um, Oh, I can't remember. Oh, Oh, uh, the David Fincher, uh, girl with the dragon tattoo movie it was just oh. those movies on repeat so she had watched drive like so many times and she was like man it'd be cool to work with him but he's never going to do a movie about a 16 year old girl and then he decided to do a movie about a 16 year old girl um so i mean i i think this is a really good movie i think there's a lot of sh- like uh i don't want to i don't want to spoil too much but it does get very visceral at yep. one point in the movie so, it's definitely not a movie for the faint of heart. But it takes a while to get there. So, the journey's just kind of beautiful pictures.
1: It's very hereditary in that, you know, there's a, yeah. a third act that kind of comes out of nowhere. I feel yep. like, I'm sure some smart-ass someone will be like, I saw this coming. I don't feel like the average person could see the ending coming in the least. Right. But,
0: yeah. I didn't the first time I saw it. I will say, the second time I watched the movie... And I, you know, I hadn't seen it in a while, so I kind of forgot how crazy it got, but I remembered the bigger points. Um, I do, There is some foreshadowing hinted in, like, the first scene, the second scene. Like, it's peppered throughout, but it's not glaringly obvious. And I like that. Um, I like having some foreshadowing without it being, like, of course, like, like someone being, like, hi, I bought this knife. And then, like, stabbing someone with the knife like you know other than the guest was done well because it wasn't like they didn't make a big deal about the knife it was like a little part of the scene and then he ended up oh spoilers for the guest by the way (laughs) then he ends up using it in the end i won't say how he uses it but it comes in handy at the end that's a foreshadowing that's not that but like i don't know like if you look at like a movie like cabin fever where there's a lot of foreshadowing and it's really obvious. And I don't know. I just don't think Cabin Fever is that good of a movie. Like, I finally watched it and I was not impressed.
1: I do understand how a movie that was only made like 17 years ago already has a remake. But I'm not even going to go into that one either. So.
0: I won't watch the remake because I was like, I didn't like the first one. Why would I watch the remake? Which is disappointing because I was really excited because I had a big crush on Hunter Parrish. Who pla- is it Hunter Parrish? Nope. That's a different actor. That's the actor from Weed's. Hunter, whatever his name is from Boy Meets World, who played Sean, uh, I had a big crush on him when I was a kid, and I was like, Ooh, I want to see this movie, but I'm too young to see it. I can't get in the theaters. Oh no! And then when I finally watched it, I was like, Yeah, this was pretty dumb, and I really don't like. I like the visuals of Rob- Robert Rodriguez. All right.
1: Oh, it was um fuck um Hostel
0: um. Isn't that Robert Eli- Rodriguez? No, it's Eli. Oh, Eli Roth. You are yeah. so right. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Planet Doom and uh, Death Proof. I'm sorry, no, that's kidding. Robert Rodriguez. But they're all kind of in the same boat. Like they have
1: area. like similar genres.
0: I would say Eli Roth. Yeah, more torture, torture porn, though. in my Yeah, opinion. that's a, yeah. I like. I didn't think Planet Terror was as good as Death Proof. In my opinion, I think it's kind of stupid. Also it has a Quentin Tarantino acting scene which are either really good or really bad and it's really bad in Planet Terror. I really was like, oh my god, why is this scene in this movie? But there's really good moments and it's being funny. Like, it knows it's being funny and it doesn't take itself too seriously whereas Cabin Fever's like, oh, we're so funny and so edgy and oh my god, we said the n-word and we made a joke about people being racist. But wait, they're not racist. Oh my god! And it's just like, it's like I'm half expecting someone to say tubular and it's just really not, it's not that good. And that's why, like, I wanted to see Green Inferno because, like, I was like, oh, it's like a modern cannibal holocaust. But I'm a little nervous after seeing Cabin Fever that it's just going to be a bunch of really bad jokes and then torture porn.
1: Yeah, like it's definitely. From what I understand, it's definitely torture porn at the end there.
0: I just, I don't get it. Like, you know, at least Saw had a plot twist like the first one yeah. isn't really tor- torture porn it it takes like the third or fourth one for it to really get weird but again saw gets stupid enough that it's just funny to laugh at so you know anyways uh let's get into spoilers shall we yes definitely because this movie has a lot of uh terrible terrible awful things i guess a little bit of a like so basically Jesse's character is very innocent naive um she's an orphan And, uh, watching the movie the second time, it was very, it was obvious, obvious, but there was a lot of foreshadowing about, like, all the girls were like, wow, you don't have any parents? Like, no one at all? Oh my god, that's so sad. And then they kept asking her, like, ooh, what are you? Dessert or sex? Or they're like, ooh, she's dessert, because she's so sweet. And I was like, oh god. And then, like, Jenna Malone's character, Ruby, kept going, like, wow, your skin is so beautiful. And I was like, oh my god, it's because she wants to eat her skin?! Because ah, they're vampires or something—I don't know. That's the twist, by the way. Since we went to spoilers,
1: yeah, it's very much so. Uh, once you once like you see the ending and you go back and recollect your thoughts over the movie, you're just like, oh, yeah, it was definitely set into motion at the very very beginning of the film that there is
0: something very cult-like going on. Yes, something yeah. very creepy. Um, and it's it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm not. Sh- I- I can't tell if they've done this before or if this is the first time. I, I feel, feel like, like I feel like
1: they've done it before. So I feel like definitely Ruby has. I feel like um I feel like uh, it's Sarah. Yeah, I feel like Sarah has. I feel like Gigi has it. I feel like Gigi may have been
0: the one new. Yeah. And but I always thought Sarah was see, this is interesting because Sarah is an interesting character.
1: Yeah. I feel like Sarah is like this isn't Sarah's first rodeo, and I think that's when when Gigi gets so sick at the end and throws up the eyeball and everything. Sarah's just like whatever. Like this is nothing new to me. Like,
0: I I will say, well, I, let's not get to that part yet. Let's let's save it to we'll we'll have a specific gore fest talk. Yeah. Um, but I do like the character of Sarah because like Abby Lee was talking about how like she really saw Sarah as kind of a tough bitchy character. Until like she started working with Elle Fanning because Elle Fanning kind of took a lot of the reins for this. It was apparently a very collaborative filming process, and they filmed in sequence, and so they would kind of change things about the script depending on how it went the day before, like how they felt the story was going to go. So it was they even had a suggestion box that the crew could suggest things. And um, they jokingly, Nicholas Winding Refn kept joking in the interview. He was like, he was like, yeah, there was a lot of uh, like, please make sure Abby Lee is naked in this movie. So of course we had to ab- abide by that. Of course, it just kept repeating itself and laughing. He gets so. Jo- I mean, it's it's obviously because she's a supermodel and people want to see supermodels naked because she's gorgeous. He was like jokingly being like, come watch this movie because Abby Lee's completely naked in it. It's like it's like okay calm down but you could tell she didn't really care about what he was saying so I'm sure they've joked about it before also there's one thing one thing that was like interesting the first time I watched this movie I felt very upset about the first photography scene with Jack and Jesse but the second time I watched it knowing how it ends and knowing that he's not an asshole he's just kind of a dick like he was just being a professional. He did. Because one thing is. He he definitely. So basically Jesse goes. To do like a test run. With Jack who's this really famous photographer. And um, he. Uh, her makeup is done by Ruby. Who's the girl that's kind of obsessed with her. And Ruby acts like. Kind of like a mother hen. Where she's like you don't have to be alone with him. I can stay if you want to. But um, watching the movie a second time, I'm like, oh, Ruby just has ulterior motives because she wants to bang Jesse, basically. Um, but in, like, a real creepy way, like, not in, like, a nice, like, normal, I want to bang you way, like, in a very creepy way. And I, at first I was, like, really, like, Jack's such an asshole. But he, he asks for a closed set. And he's like, it's going to be a closed set. Everyone get out of here. And then he asked her to take her clothing off. He's kind of a dick about it. I'm not going to lie. And I thought something bad was going to happen. But honestly, he just needed her to be naked for the photo shoot. And I will say, if it's your first test run, they probably, because you're modeling clothes and because they need to see how the clothes are going to lay on your body, it's not unheard of to be naked, you know, in a clothes set in the modeling world. It's pretty normal, I would say, for a lot of models. I'm not saying it's right. I think everybody, but I think the human body's beautiful. And if you're comfortable, Having photos taken of you nude, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but it seemed like Jesse wasn't okay with it, but also she probably should have brought someone with her. Yeah, you know, I know she didn't have a parent, but she could have brought her boyfriend, Dean, who he's not really her boyfriend. Boyfriend yeah. are kind of casually dating, Dean kind you know. of bothers me a little bit too
1: because it's like, oh, Dean's a good guy, but it's like he still went in for the kiss knowing she's 16 years old, like, and he's yeah. older. Like, we don't know how old, but he's
0: obviously, I would guess at least early 20s, at least. And he knows she's 16, whereas Jack technically thinks she's 19. Yeah. So, doesn't think there's... So, like, I do think he's an asshole. He's probably that, like, in the theater world, that director who's really rude to everybody, but gets a good result. He's like Nick Saban, you know? He's kind of mean to all of his teammates, and it doesn't work in the professional world because you have to, like, work with them for years on end. But in the college world, he's great because he pushes you to your limits. And I think that's kind of what he is, and I think it kind of shows, like, at the end that he is an asshole, but he's not, like, an abuser. But Ruby puts on this whole, like, I don't think you should be alone with him and, like, makes it seem like he is an abuser, which uh, is a very good tactic on her side because she's, like... Call me if you need anything. It's always good to have good girls on your side, and it's just like, oh no, like yeah. watching again. I'm like, oh, this is gross. Uh, yeah. Not not because she likes her. It's because of what happens in the end, obviously.
1: Yeah. I want to go back to the opening shot because I thought it was really interesting because I literally put my notes. I was like, in the opening, she looks more like a murder victim than a fashion model. Like, the way she's posed, the blood on her, her eyes are very, like, staring ahead. And I think it's very interesting knowing the end, how that yes. first shot was kind of composed.
0: Yeah, so, I think I wrote in my notes, because this was, I'd seen it years before, so the first time I watched it for the thing was for this. And I think I pretty much wrote. Uh, where was it? Basically tells the ending with the first shot of Elle Fanning's modeling work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I thought was a cool foreshadowing. But it's just honestly beautiful. Um, which kind of makes me sad that they were like. "Oh, It was kind of amateur. I was like. I like the pictures. But you know.
1: Yeah. But that's the- a yeah like the fat, it's like and i made like a note too that like it's really a soul crushing industry because yeah. you you can get torn down so easily because you know it's like christina Hendricks character tells jesse uh when she's signing her contract she's like i don't think you're fat someone else may call I mean, you never say you were fat but yeah <laughs> and i was it, like oh god the girl is like literally so fucking thin and petite and it's just like so i mean it's just kind of like Harrows you to think, yeah, like yeah, you could have like a woman who's maybe like 110 pounds soaking wet, and they're just like, yeah, you may be called fat, but you know, you'll you'll work for us. We'll take you. So
0: yeah, I, you know, I, being someone who has auditioned in the acting world, and it, it can feel really soul crushing when you don't get a part in the acting world. But at least I get to sing for people, and it's like, oh, maybe I just don't fit into the costume, or maybe. I'm not physically what they're looking for. That's part of it when you audition for acting parts is like your look, which you can only control so much of because, you know, you were born with the genes you have. Um, But like modeling is, I think, worse because it is completely about how you look. And it's so much more personal feeling. And Abby Lee did say, like, she was kind of, she's been a supermodel, and she was kind of their unofficial consultant on this movie, and she was very much like, it is like that. Like, it's really hard, and if you don't learn to separate yourself from that emotionally, you will never make it in that industry, because it is just, it's like that. And you just have to know that, like, it's not your fault that you're not what you're they're looking for. You can be the perfect model, you can be the perfect size, and it's just not your fault that you don't fit what their vision is. But I mean, like acting is that's only one part of it. It is a big part of it and it can be really soul crushing, but that's just part of it is the look. You also have to have talent. So you can still get roles if you have talent, you just might not get the ones you want to play or are competent playing um, because you don't look the way that director sees. Uh, and that's, you know, it comes with the territory, it's definitely not for everybody. But I think modeling seems way harsher. Plus, you have to go to auditions in your underwear so they can see how you're going to look in all the different clothes. You know, because if they have a backless dress, they need to make sure that, like, your back isn't going to distract from the dress. Because you the focus is going to be on the clothes. Unless you're doing, like, it's different. If you're doing, like, advertising modeling, you know, that's a lot different than doing, like, fashion shows. Fashion shows, you're more of a blank canvas.
1: Yeah, especially, and, like, high oh, fashion.
0: Yeah. I think maybe the only uh, high fashion show, I don't even know if it's really high fashion, it's not really high fashion, but the only fashion show I would say that has like, like is probably more forgiving about you looking unique is probably like the Victoria's Secret fashion show because it's more about, ooh, look at the pretty ladies in their underwear than it is like about look at the pretty underwear on the ladies, Um, which, you know, I don't, did they even do it this year? I feel like they didn't do it last year or something. I can't they were remember. Just,
1: I know um, Re- Victoria's Secret is trying to go for a rebrand because they're learning that, like airy, having like their untouched models that a lot of younger women are liking that kind of untouched look versus like your most of us will never look like a Victoria's Secret angel.
0: So <laughs> right, and even like Lane Bryant has um, saw a cachet. I want to always uh, Casique. They're because I am very I'm very curvy, and I have to shop it cacique because they're the only bra store that actually fits me at all um i can't fit into their underwear because it's too big but i can fit into their bras. as my mother really like to say victoria victoria doesn't hold my secrets Ah, i mean. love it yeah That's i, it I victoria Secret used to be a really good bra store i used to be able to get like the ipex and it fit me perfectly and now they're bras are like all padded and you just can't fit a boob in there it's just really weird because they're they're marketing towards high schoolers now which is weird because like I feel like yeah you probably wear a bra in high school but like I feel like that shouldn't be your focus in high school should be like a sexy underwear pink, pink is like very co-ed is what I'm understanding because they have like their whole unit yeah line and stuff too yeah but that's college so like yeah. that I kind of get but like when you're in high school anyways but what I was saying about casique is like they also like I don't know if they don't touch up their models at all but they are not afraid to show like back fat rolls on models and they look beautiful i feel like they've had stretch marks and stuff on there too yeah so i don't think i don't think they touch much up if at all but it is nice that the industry is going a little more natural um and nicholas Winding Refn actually did an interview with a model who i can't remember the girl's name but she basically like she's an Australian model and she was told by like several agencies that she have, kept having to lose weight and she was like dangerously skinny. And she finally like started to like change.org petition about like adding more real looking women to modeling because it was like really dangerous to like make people think that, Oh, this is how people should look. Cause that's not, it's like people can look completely anorexic in a incredibly unhealthy way. Like in, and, and they're modeling and kids are like, oh, that's how I'm supposed to look. No, it's not. It's not how you're supposed to look. It's really not. And it's not that skinny is ugly. That's not at all. It, at all. Skinny is beautiful. Bigger is beautiful. As long as you're taking care of your body and getting Healthy. exercise and eating correctly, you know, I, I, I think any size is beautiful. Skinny people are gorgeous. But if you're starving yourself to become skinny, that's not attractive. And that's not good for you because you can have a heart attack from being too skinny. You can have a heart attack from being too heavy. They're both bad. Like, they both will damage your body. That's how Karen Carpenter died. Her heart gave out because she didn't eat. Like, it's, I mean, it's like the simplest answer is like, if you don't eat, the muscles of your heart will eventually wear away because your body is eating itself. You know, anyways, that's my little rant on the modeling industry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, I do think it's an interesting look at this movie and the horror of the modeling industry. And not just, like, like the audition process, but like how cutthroat people can be Yeah, in the modeling. And in any industry, really. But I think the modeling industry, we put so much weight in how someone looks that it's like, well, but what else do they have to offer the world? Like, there's nothing worse than someone being like... I only care like especially being in a relationship with someone and someone being like well you're just so pretty and you're like okay that's nice but what else am I you're so pretty I need to know what else you like about me because prettiness does not last and I think that's one thing this movie really hammers in is that beauty is fleeting the youth is fleeting and you need something else in your life sorry well, they even,
1: they even have a few lines in the movie. Like I think one of the girls mentioned, she's like, once you turn 22 or 23, like this, your career in this industry is over. And mm-hmm. it's like very casual conversation. So it's not meant to be the forefront of the story or something, but it's still dialogue that is spoken in this movie. Um, yeah. That definitely does give you an idea of uh, what the industry is like. Um, and it's just like kind of, like I said, it's harrowing. Um, so there, there is a lot of beauty in it. There's a lot of glamour in it. And you can see why someone would get so caught up in the lifestyle. But as we know, that's kind of Jesse's undoing too, is getting so caught up in the lifestyle.
0: Yeah. I mean, she really takes a turn kind of in the third act. I would say the beginning of the third act of the movie where she kind of symbolically turns herself away from real people and focuses only on modeling people because she, she, has a good relationship with Dean, even if he's not the best person. He's pretty real. He cares about her well-being. And he doesn't force her to, like, he doesn't try to force anything physical on her except for a weird kiss. Um, So, I mean, even though he is trying to kiss a 16-year-old, he doesn't try to have sex with a 16-year-old. And he definitely draws a line. And when Keanu Reeves' character is like, that's some real Lolita shit right there. He's like, fuck no, dude. Like, shut up. Um, he does try to take care of her and maybe he, you know, takes care of her because he's like worried about her more than anything else, but he goes to her big, um, her big first show and she gets to close the show, which is a big deal. Um, and, um, she, uh, got kind of like, he isn't really into the whole, like, we're so pretty and wonderful and all the vapidness. And he's like, I think I'm ready to go. And she's just like, okay, then go. And then after I that, she just like, kind of
1: turns into a bitch. I feel like in my big kind of question mark, and just kind of like my idea. I don't know if this is what's happening, but how I feel, I feel like it's towards the end of that show when she closes the show that the possession happens. Like I don't mm-hmm. know if we're supposed to think that, but I, you have all those like triangles, and you see mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. cultish imagery. And I, I kind of wonder if that's because it's like a definite that's when the switch is flipped that you see her, the narcissistic personality really start to come out in her. Like even the first time you see her, she parts that curtain and she's dressed differently. Her makeup's different. Like she looks almost like a completely
0: different woman. There's a lot of beautiful color in yes. this movie. But ironically, Nicholas Ruffin is, com- is he's colorblind. That's amazing. I did not know that. I didn't know that until I was uh, watching this interview. And he's colorblind. And he says the reason a lot of his movies have so much color and are so vibrant is because the only things he can really tell are, like, contrasting colors. So he's like, so everything, like, all the contrast is always turned up really high. And I always do, like, bright colors because I honestly can't see the difference in colors. Yeah, Without it. Which is amazing because visually this movie is absolutely stunning. Yeah, um, the
1: cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. Like there's a lot of just beautiful shots.
0: It's amazing, honestly. Like it is one of the most beautiful movies. It, I really do think it is uh, probably the most beautiful movie we've covered next to Midsummer. I would say. I can't yeah. think of anything else that was just pretty. Uh, like, just Portrait pretty. of a it is pretty, but it's a different kind of pretty. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Portrait of a Lady like looking at like a painting. Yes, definitely. This is looking at like, I don't know. It's like modern art almost, which I generally hate modern art. Like I don't hate it completely, but um, it's just not my thing. Like there's yeah. certain modern artists that I'm like, oh, this person's pretty cool. Like the the portrait artist that they had do the Portrait of a Lady on Fire art. Like I looked at a lot of her art. She just, She's really good. I like her but i'm more of like a like i like looking at people you know usually if you can't tell cuz i've been putting out my artwork for the shows i've been doing a lot of people i did a, one that uh, was a pumpkin this uh week because i had a much grander idea that i'll probably do later but i just didn't think i could conceptually do it in so little time cuz i had like uh an hour to do that while i was editing the other podcast for this week so i was like yeah i'm just going to do this cool pumpkin thing and you know I I banged it out an hour, so Uh, that's my excuse (laughs) for not doing a face. But I like faces. Um, By the way, the cinematography is Natasha Brayer, who is a oh, it's a female cinematographer. That's cool. She hasn't done a lot of like movies that I've heard of. Oh, but she did do Honey Boy that came out this year or last year, and. She did, a, I think, a music video with The Weeknd. Which uh, one? Mania? I don't think I've seen that one. Well, it says The Weeknd. Maybe, maybe it's not. Oh, okay. It's a short film that previews The Weeknd's new album, Starboy, with samples of his hit songs. So it's like oh. a short film. And Gringo, which I've heard of, and The Rover, which I've heard of, but I still haven't seen that one um but yeah i think the cinematography is beautiful i think I it's great i think the production design is also amazing that was elliot hostetter and uh, art direction i'm really curious austin gorg that's an interesting name austin gorg the um, was cool too yeah it was very oh oh okay so austin gorg also did the art direction for her Oh, I love her. And Dr. Sleep! And The Outsider! Oh, wow! And Big Little... Oh, my God. This is like every TV show I, I've watched in the last five years. And Big Little Lies. And Sharp Objects. And La La Land. And... I, oh, I need to go back now. These are things I don't know. Uh, Ready Player One, which I, I hate. I, I didn't watch it. I that movie. just
1: watched it, actually, last week with my brother. And... I liked it better than I thought I would, but it did drag. It is it's a it's a long movie,
0: for sure. Yeah. Definitely. They have a huge makeup department, but man, the the makeup was gorgeous in this. Um Yeah, I is a beautiful movie, and I think all the the music was really cool, it, and it was very Cliff
1: Martinez did it. yeah, very simpy. Cliff Martinez did this, and he had also collaborated with Nicholas on drive and only God Forgive, so it seems like they have a good collaboration going on' oh, this
0: yeah, is, yeah, I was surprised most of these people hadn't done another Nicholas finding Ruffin film' I was like I was expecting to have like a dog tooth experience where it was like the same cinematographer for all the movies, but it just shows that he actually works well with a lot of different people, yeah too um which you know and he's I mean I was surprised how pleasant people talk about him I mean he was in the same room but I heard all these like people like he's pretentious and blah blah blah, like kind of like Aronofsky who has a really big pretentious attitude I mean he's a good director but he has a pretty pretentious attitude from what I've understood again this is Hollywood gossip and I don't live in Hollywood so it could be completely wrong Uh, allegedly he's kind of an asshole to people. Like, he kind of sounds like he's really full of himself. But Nicholas Winding Refn seems to know he's kind of a weirdo and kind of a freak. And, like... But, again, women work with him. So, I don't know. It's kind of like um, David Lynch has a lot of weird things in his movies that I find kind of pervy. But people work with him, and they're like, he's great to work with. Like, we love working with him. Uh, He hasn't gotten Harvey weinstein yet, so... As long as that never happens, I think it's okay. And I think it's kind of Nicholas fighting Ruffin kind of seems to be the same. Maybe it's because he's European. I don't know. That's a stereotype. But people are always like Europeans are more sexually free. Uh, yeah. Speaking of sexual, do we want to talk about the ones? There's two scenes that gross me out about this. Movie. I was actually, before we get into that, I was going to
1: bring up, because um, I thought it was interesting. At first, I was like, because there is, so, she comes home, Jesse comes home after a date with Dean, and, like, it's just a very, like, casual date, like, other than him leaning him for the kiss and her rejecting him. There's nothing sexual. They talk about her growing up in Georgia. They talk about her looking at the moon and kind of wondering what she was going to be, and, you know. And then she opens her hotel room door, and there's a fucking thing in her room, and she gets Keanu Reeves, which is not really of his course. name's pink. Yeah, and they go in the hotel, and the hotel room is trash.
0: And then you see it's a fucking mountain lion. Yeah, there's a fucking cougar in the fucking motel room, which yeah. I always forget how dangerous California is because it's they're always having like bears and cougars and coyotes, and like it's just a thing. And well, I'm like, I forget how dangerous that city actually is. At first, I thought
1: it was just like, you know, like, I was like, okay, this has to be symbolic, like, in some way that she's getting in over her head. Like, the industry is, like, a animalistic industry. But then, at the end, I was like, holy shit, it was probably one of the girls checking in on her.
0: Like, <gasps> ooh, I yeah. like that. I know, because, yeah. like, I got a lot of real vampire vibes the first time. And then the second time, I'm like, maybe they just aren't aren't real vampires or are they i don't know i think it's up to our interpretation well um, you
1: see when she's walking around like the house that ruby is house sitting for you see a lot of taxidermy work including like a kind of mountain lion it kind yeah. of yeah
0: there's a really pretty leopard too mm-hmm. like yeah a jaguar might be a jaguar
1: that's mm-hmm. what i was it's wondering i was wondering if it was like one of them kind of checking in
0: on her Oh, that's interesting. Maybe trying to get her to move out of her motel because so she'll move in with them so they can Yeah, get- because her. think about mm-hmm. it. Which brings me to my second
1: scene. So um, after Jesse kind of lets go of Dean and decides that she wants to be full blown fraudle, full throttle in this industry, um, she has a dream where Hank very suggestively tries to make her swallow a knife. And then she yeah, just that was weird. So, she just so happens. To wake up right at the exact moment to lock her door and then hear the next door neighbor be accosted violently. Uh, we don't know if the girl... She literally calls Ruby. And she's like, I think he's murdering her. And I don't think it was Hank. I think that they gave her the vision. And then it just so happened she woke up just in time to know to lock the door. Well,
0: because he tries to open her door.
1: First. But I don't think it's him. I think it's the girls. Right.
0: Yeah, I think there's two ways you can take this movie. You can take it completely literally. And it makes sense if you take it completely literally. Even the end makes sense if you take it completely literally. literally because, like, they're just deranged people. Um, and there's a reason that you would throw up an eyeball. Because, like, you probably... You shouldn't eat people. Like, you just don't eat people. It's not good for you. Um, or them. Um, anyways... <laughs> Uh, But there's also this interpretation of kind of like a supernatural vibe, which I like that they don't really completely and totally define, but they give you enough evidence to both of them. And I think that's what's so interesting is because the second time I watched that moon scene with Ruby's character and it was very like creepy and supernatural, but maybe it was just a dream. I don't know.
1: Um, Whose dream is it?
0: I don't know. Is it Ruby's? Is it? Because then we don't see Ruby after that. Also, did, was she murdered? I'm confused. But it also kind of looked like she was just, like, shitting blood. That I just, was kind of weird.
1: I thought it was like she was, like, birthing, like, a new self. Like, maybe, like, she consumed all Jesse's oh. blood and was, re- like, bleeding all the old blood out and had Jesse's blood in her. Oh. Because like, if she's, like, immortal, like, if she's immortal, which... There's a lot of like allusions to Elizabeth Baffery, which I know I had texted mm-hmm. you about the other day. And as as you know, Katie, I don't know if our viewers know, but Elizabeth Baffery was a countress. They don't know for sure. Nowadays, historians are like, it may be the people who didn't like her make up rumors about her. But yeah. if, if she killed women, particularly virgins, and would yep. bathe in the blood to remain youthful. And here, mm-hmm. Jesse is a virgin, and we do see Ruby bathing in her blood.
0: Yeah. All the girls bathe in her blood, but Ruby's, like, sitting in a bath. Also, they definitely alluded to that Elizabeth Roy in the Coven season, American Horror Story, because uh, Madame LaLaurie, who was a real person, sadly. Um, Oh, that's the most frightening part of that season, is that LaLaurie was a real fucking person. (laughs) So was uh, Angela Bassett's character, too, I think. She was actually, like, a real... That voodoo
1: it comes, she did play mad. Uh,
0: yeah, that was Lavi. L- oh, L- 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 no, yeah, Lavi L- Bates, mean, Bates, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, okay. Bates but Lilori yeah. was Kathy Bates. But uh, oh. but Angela Bassett's character, she she was a real person too. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I don't remember what it's called, but there was some terrible like Amazon direct to Amazon independent movie about that voodoo priestess. Or I guess she wasn't really a priestess, but the voodoo queen. Um, lady what's her face and i'm sorry i really can't remember that character's name oh yeah marie laveau i'm so sorry marie laveau i'm so sorry marie laveau i was like who
1: was her name because you know they're similar you can still leave tokens at her grave and make wishes,
0: shit what people do so there's like a really bad independent movie where like there's like a jack Jack the Ripper comes to New Orleans and the daughter of Marie Laveau, who has her exact same name, is like, I will destroy the Jack the Ripper with my grandmother's powers. And it's real weird. And it's real bad. It's real bad. But it was like laughably bad. And I loved it. Um, anyways. Um, yeah. They de- like, there's a whole part where Kathy Bates's character is like uh, cutting blood out of her slaves and uh, uh, putting it all over her face to say young And I I feel like that was a rumor about LaLaurie. I don't think that actually happened with LaLaurie. I do think she tortured people. And she was a shitty, shitty person. Um, Also, she may have killed a bunch of her husbands. It's very confusing if she did or didn't. Uh, She's a shit person. But I think they were more trying to be like, ooh, it's like Elizabeth Elizabeth Bathory. Also, I feel like Lady Gaga's character in Hotel had had an Elizabeth Bathory kind of vibe, too. Definitely. From what I remember it was I I didn't finish that season because it, I really liked the beginning of it but I got kind of bored with it honestly but Lady Gaga's costumes were like on point and Evan Peters like character with the jaunty accent was like I like Evan Peters like I, I can watch almost anything with him in it and be entertained thoroughly. Um, But, yeah, LaLaurie and Elizabeth Bathory and, uh, yeah, I was getting a lot of those vibes, which is why I was like, oh, are they vampires? Are they, like, real vampires? Or are they fake vampires? Do they think they're vampires? Yeah.
1: That, I definitely feel like, if nothing else, like, Ruby's in a cult. And the thing is, is that, like, I read somewhere that she, the tattoos are supposed to be cult tattoos, but I can't find any symbols associated with the tattoos on her bodies that, like, to any particular cult. So I did read that. Um, but I didn't see. Like I was like okay. So she is covered with tattoos. And it, is, it isn't shown she's covered with tattoos. Until the end of the movie. But I can't find like a certain tattoo. That connects to a certain cult. Even though someone's like.
0: She's covered with cult like tattoos. So. Yeah I really. Um, yeah the tattoos. I, I honestly didn't realize. For a second that uh that a uh, Jenna Malone as uh Ruby was topless for that whole scene where she's like watering the garden. I thought she was just wearing a shirt with symbols on it and then I was like, oh those are boobs. Oh okay those are nipples. Okay she's just walking around the property just okay I mean, if no one can see you, who cares? Which
1: makes me also think that, like, she was lying to Jesse about it not being her home. But rather than, like, try to explain how she has a gorgeous, elaborate mansion. Because she's probably a fucking immortal
0: with friends in high places. It's just, like, I'm house-sitting. Yeah, and also, like, it explains why, like... So, at first, like, the first time I saw the movie, I was like, wow, Ruby's kind of struggling. Because she's working at a morgue part-time when she's not doing modeling makeup. But if you're an immortal and you had a really good house, and you were trying to keep up appearances, would you not get a job where you... I mean, I is it because she's already dead because she's a vampire that she wants to fuck corpses? Like... Uh, or is it just keeping up appearances and that was a one-time thing? That seemed yeah. really weird. That was yeah. probably the weirdest scene.
1: I think that's the necrophilia scene was, like, my biggest thing because it it didn't... So, I guess someone could argue like oh she's so sexually frustrated because she wanted to be with Jesse and she almost rapes Jesse like that's what I literally yeah, my like, scary see in attempts to rape her like it, to me it's not arguable she still tries to force her hands down Ruby's like nightdress and everything as just oh, Jesse's no yeah Ruby tries to force her hand down Jesse's nightdress and Jesse says no repetitively yeah. and it's only when she like physically shoves her that she gets up huh? and leaves like,
0: and I do think, like, this is not, like, an anti, like, girl-on-girl relationship at all. I don't think he's trying to, I mean, I think some people might read into it thinking, like, he's trying to say, like, she should have stayed with the man. But I don't really think that's it at all. I think it's just, like, no, uh, Ruby's a shit person. If she were a man, she'd do the same thing.
1: Yeah, there's, and Jesse even explicitly states in that scene, so it's, like, she, so she literally tells Ruby, she, like, because she, Ruby tries to seduce her, she goes, no, and she goes, "It's not because of that," which I think is alluding. It's not
0: because you're a woman that I'm turning right. you down. She's like, "It's because I'm a virgin." Right, and I mean, like, I yeah, I get it, and maybe that's why Jesse wasn't really into Dean as a relationship. Maybe she does like Ruby, but she doesn't want her first time to be like that. Like, and she's not really sure. Also, like, I don't really. She's also sixteen. Too.
1: Yeah. And she just had a very fucking terrifying thing where she literally believes we don't know what happened to the girl next door, but we know either she was murdered or she was something violent happened to her because you hear yeah. her screaming and crying.
0: Yeah, and, and it's
1: traumatizing.
0: Yeah, and it gets really weird too because, like, by the way, did you notice the? There's a couple, um, shining, re- shining, and Kubrick references in this movie. I felt
1: like there was something towards the latter half of the movie that gave me very like shining vibes.
0: Yeah, well. There was the, well, some of the patterns kind of look like the carpet pattern, The Shining, but that wasn't really a big thing. But there was a lot of, um, like, Lolita talk, like Keanu Reeves, like, real Lolita shit. There was that one, and then there was, like, the lipstick was called Red Rum in the beginning.
1: I see that, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Now, somebody else was like, oh, the girl in room 214, when I was listening to her review, I'm like, it was room 247. Like, it's not two one four, so that's not the right room. I'm sorry. Um, But um, I I think that was a little bit of a nod, a wink and a nod to some really cool movies. I still haven't seen Lolita. I can't find it anywhere. I really want to see it.
1: I feel like it was on some kind of streaming hub recently, because I was like, I need to go back and watch, like, Hubert's Lolita, because I saw from it, like, years, years ago. I think I saw the first half on Turner Classic Movies. Um... But, no, but the necrophilia scene was really upsetting because, of course, you know, Ruby was just rejected by Jesse, And she has this really beautiful young female corpse. And she just decides to go for it with the corpse. And I think the most, like, kind of part that just kind of was like, oh, my God, it's like she's making out with it. And she literally spits inside the corpse's mouth. To get it wetter, and I'm just like, Ooh, okay, like it's definitely like it's something very uncomfortable. You don't really see necrophilia in a lot of films, so I think it was just kind of like it shocked me because I I can't remember yeah. a recent me- memory that I've seen a
0: necrophilia scenes. So I remember that before I watched rewatched it. Oh, excuse me, before I rewatched it, I did remember that she was like hump. I for some reason I thought she was just like like humping it. I don't know. I just didn't think it was quite as graphic. As it was, now, I I mean, they kind of cut away before she completes herself, Um, but they do cut to, I mean, I'm like, I mean, it's obvious she's thinking about Jesse, but they also, like, keep cutting to pictures of Jesse like, being very seductive on a couch, like, in her fantasies. Um, But I'm like, I just, I don't know, like, I don't think I could be sexually frustrated enough to fuck a corpse.
1: Yeah. Like, but it kind of gives you the idea before we see the like the final acts of the film. It kind of gives you the idea that, okay, like at first it's like, Ruby's sexually frustrated. Oh, she really likes Jesse too. It gives you the idea that something is definitely wrong.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if they did that scene to make us not trust Ruby. Because like there is something inherently wrong with fucking a corpse. Like I'm sorry, this is like zoophiles. There's something wrong with fucking animals. There's something wrong with fucking corpses. They cannot give consent. It's creepy. Fuck something alive. Or get a sex doll. Like just not not someone who used to be a person. Like that's not fair to that person's soul to ruin their body like that. Anyways. Yeah, um, the reason there's
1: laws for desecrating corpses. There is something very unnatural. Um and but I
0: do wonder if, like, because I kind of felt sad for Ruby, even though she did attempt to rape Jesse, I still felt kind of sad for her because I was like, well, maybe she, like, just can't find anyone she can be with, and maybe she feels alone, and that's sad. And then she fucks a corpse, I'm like, I don't really think I feel bad for her anymore. Yeah, all the sympathy no, goes out the window. Yeah, and so I wonder if he did that on purpose so we could not like her in the end. And, like, already not trust her. So, it built the tension a little more for the last scene um, with Jesse yeah. in it. Because I do feel like the last scene, if they had taken that away, you might have felt like there was something going on. But I don't think you would be quite as scared about and it.
1: And she does also draw, like, the, the face on right. her. Which is, like, another thing. At first, I just thought it was, like, she was leaving some kind of fuck. Fucking weird message for Jesse. And now you're like, oh, that's probably something a little bit coldy going on. But I will say maybe that Maybe that's her her
0: signal to Gigi and Sarah. Yeah. Hey, forget about me trying to date her. Let's eat her, guys. Yeah.
1: Ugh. Well, I feel like that may have already been in the plan, and maybe Ruby was having second thoughts because you know she does have like a certain Jesse Qua about her. Um, but I thought maybe like, you know. That was already the plan. The plan was in action. I think that's why when she cuts her hand earlier in the movie, that Sarah just is like she's hungry for it now. Like she's ready.
0: Yeah, for that it. was creepy. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was very like unsettling. Um, but I, I will say this: they did. When Jesse gives her whole monologue about being dangerous, which we alluded to at the very beginning of the podcast, and then she also goes, women spend their whole lives to look, they starve themselves. They, you know, to look like a second rate version of me. At that point, like most of my sympathy for her just went out the window. Like, I was just like, what a narcissist
0: little bitch. (laughs) I think, I think I actually asked, I was like, so is this movie about, like, the ultimate hubris? Like, how your hubris can kill you? Because, like, Jessie's perfectly normal when she starts out. She's perfectly normal. She knows she's pretty, but she's not full of herself. And then the longer she stays in the industry, and she's only in it for a short time, the more she starts thinking... Oh, wow, I really am special. Oh, my God, I'm so special. Oh, I'm the most specialist girl in the whole fucking world. And, like, she's completely full of herself. But I think she, Elle Fanning does a good job of playing this perfect little, I, I know I'm pretty, but I think I'm tough. But she's not. She's actually not that tough. Well, maybe, like, the neon demon
1: is the fashion industry. And then she is slowly possessed by that industry into becoming a completely different version of
0: herself. Right. So, and when her possession's complete, it's when she's ripe for the picking, too. True. Yeah. It is a very fine line between being, I'm confident in myself, and I'm a complete asshole and everybody hates me because I love myself too much. And I think uh, Jesse was kind of riding the line... Until that moment. And then she's just also like she spends the whole day like make putting makeup on her face and putting on this pretty dress that they've already laid out with for her, which was creepy. And then and also, so so she was this girl tried to rape her and she's still at her house. She's been paid for a modeling job, so she must have some kind of money. She has an agent. She could go to the agency and be like, hey. I'm in a really bad living situation. Uh, Could you guys find me someplace to stay? Because I'm sure a modeling agency would be more than willing to, if you were an asset to them, they'd be more than willing to get you a hotel room or something like that. Or you could like stay with the, the one of the agents or something that that would happen. Um, The other thing is like, so she tries to rape her. She also sees the weird symbol on the mirror and she just still hangs out at the house. Like that would freak me out, frankly. I would be like, oh, this is getting weird and culty and I'm going to leave. Instead, she just hangs around the house all day admiring how beautiful she is and just being like, wow, I'm just the most perfect girl ever. It's like those like fucking Instagram models who are just like, look at my ass. It's amazing, is it not? I'm just so fucking great. No, There's nothing wrong with having a great ass. It's totally fine. I'm just saying there's a fine line between being confident in yourself and being a complete and total asshole about i'm attractive yeah which i have a hard time putting up pictures of my like tonight i put up a picture of myself because i was like look i'm like oh cool but i really like struggled with am i an asshole for putting this picture up like i really did struggle with that but that's
1: well, i feel like I, I feel like not speaking for an entire population but a lot of times we love seeing selfies we love seeing people be happy but when it's, yeah. like, you post, like, ten selfies in one day, it's like, oh, well, I've seen your face nine times today. I know what you look like. But I can speak, I love seeing people, like, post selfies. Like, I love it. I'm like, oh, look at you being happy. Or look at you, like, riding your bike or whatever. So, yeah, yeah I think you're, like, talking about, like, how Jessie was, like, hanging around the house. Like, even though, like, she yeah. was obviously in a bad situation, she did nothing to get out of the bad situation.
0: Right, and I'm I'm not blaming victims. That's not what I'm trying to say either. But I think we're supposed to learn a lesson on hubris and confidence versus overly and annoyingly self-confident.
1: Yeah. Which is I think leads us into our last scene. So we have this very shocking scene because I feel like once Ruby tries to unsuccessfully rape Jesse, we have this final third act that's just like balls to the wall, like what the hell is going on? Yeah, because you it have gets the rough. Necro- yeah, you get the necrophilia scene. Then you get Jesse just completely doing 180, just being a total bitch. And then you got the girls out of nowhere coming out, Jesse with knives.
0: Yeah, and she's like, what are we, what is this, the party? <laughs> I was like, oh no. And, I mean, it is a really cool, like, it it really takes a 180 into this is just a horror movie. Because they are just chasing her, and, like, one of them cuts her in the back of the knee, and she's trying to run, and they're just walking towards her, and she can't even run anymore, And it's really scary. And Ruby at first doesn't get a weapon. And it's just Gigi and Sarah who are chasing her with weapons. And then I love this scene in the kitchen, too. Like, she goes in the kitchen and she grabs a knife thinking it'll scare the other girl away. And the other girl just grabs a knife, too. And she's like, oh, shit, this is... Okay, they actually want to murder me. It's not just like they're trying to scare me. Oh, fuck. So, and, like, you feel bad for her because she's like, oh, shit, I have gotten too in over my head. And she runs out to the pool and uh, Ruby just pushes her in the pool and then she's like dying of her injuries and they just all come up to her. And, and
1: it's uh, so sad because you see it literally from her POV. She looks at the night sky and it's like the moon isn't there. And she mentions yeah. always looks at the moon and the moon's not there. But gives another credibility to the whole witch thing. If there's a cycle and it's a full Ooh. moon in the beginning and then the moon's not there. At the end, too.
0: And then the thing with the moon was she was like, the moon is always, like, a big eye to me. Like, it was an eye and it was looking at me all the time. Yeah. Which comes back in the next scene. The next, the very, very last scene. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the next scene is the Elizabeth Bathory scene where, like, uh, Gigi and Sarah are, like, showering in blood. And, um, yeah, Ruby's just soaking in a bathtub full of blood. Which I don't think a person has quite that much blood in them. Maybe there was some water in there too, but she's just like completely covered in blood and glitter, which is what I wonder if she was like she like made out with her corpse before oh, they completely yeah. tore apart. Uh, so that. that would be awful. It's awful. so
1: gross. Like, I usually I would feel bad about shaming someone's kink, but this is not a kink. This is yeah, that's something different completely.
0: Yeah, completely different. Uh, this is not like uh, I bought a dildo at the Love Emporium in my like, in my town. That's fine. Buy yeah. as many dildos as you want. Just make sure you wash them so you don't get an infection. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Safe sex, y'all.
1: Um, anyway. But yeah, it goes into this last scene because we see oh, Sarah God. and we see Gigi, and of course they're they're meeting up again with.
0: Uh, oh wait, but we forgot another scene. Oh, the what the- scene? I'm sorry, cause. The uh, Jenna Malone's actress. The Ruby scene, which I don't know how I skipped over the scene the first time I saw the movie. Like, she's, like, walking... We, I mentioned it briefly, but she's, like, walking around topless, bathing in the sun, watering... Washing the blood off the pool casually, you know, as you do after you commit a murder. And then she's, like, in this room in the house, and there's this big window, and the moon is right there, and she's butt-naked... And she's, like, laying on the floor in, as yoga we would call it, um, constructive rest position. Knees up, slightly apart with your back and your arms to your side. It's constructive rest in yoga. Um, Or maybe it's just voice class, but I, I love constructive rest. It really helps my back, like, stretch out. Anyways, she's, like, laying there and the moon's, like, beating down on her. And then, like, there's just all this blood that comes out of her bottom half. But it's a lot, it's shadowed. You don't see like vagina or anything. You just, you can, it's more of like an outline kind of thing of her like body. You can tell that she's not wearing clothes. um Which, yeah. And it was kind of weird the way she gets on the ground is kind of ritualistic too. So maybe she is a witch or a vampire or something. Yeah. Um, you know, I
1: definitely, like I said, I felt like that's all the old blood coming out. Like all yeah, the old just... blood, like a recycled thing. I,
0: I like that better, because that scene, like, kind of, I was just like, because again, I don't know how I skipped over that scene in the first time I saw it. Like, I don't know if, like, I got up to change laundry or something, but I was like, this is fucked up. <laughs> um, yeah, and the blood just kind of pours out of her, and it's pretty gross. But I don't really know what happens to Ruby after that, because she just kind of, like, that's her last scene. Um, But then we have this scene Brittany was talking about. Yeah, we got...
1: Um, we got Sarah and Gigi and they're hanging well actually so what happens is Gigi goes to a modeling shoot and she's working with another young model I don't know the other young model's name but uh, once again she's kind of like an it girl very much like Jessie she has a natural thing about her and um, Jack McCarter is doing the shoot and out of nowhere he's shooting them and he just decides to fire the one girl and hire Sarah so it's like Sarah who was like lamenting about not having the it thing is just like now part of this shoot. And then Gigi is like sitting there. It's near a swimming pool. Of course we know that um, Jesse was killed in a swimming pool and she just starts feeling sick to her stomach. And you're like um, okay. And yeah. And that's where we get the very last scene in the movie. Like the last actual like three or four minutes of the movie. Which I gotta
0: say is oh is i so i don't remember getting physically ill the first time i watched this movie the only other movie i will say that's made me feel sick to my stomach like this movie has and i think it was the gagging was um raw because there is a scene in raw where someone is eating we'll just say raw meat um and it's very yeah we still need to do raw raw is amazing it's a, it's a French film that is not streaming, but it was on Netflix. So eventually I will find it streaming somewhere and we will do it. Um, but uh, that's the only other movie that really made me viscerally kind of sick to my stomach. This movie. So Gigi runs in the bathroom. And she's like, she rips all her clothes off. Which is what I, I I've done that before when I just feel like really sick to my stomach. I'm like, I don't want to throw up on my own clothes. So I'm going to rip them off so I, do I don't like to get
1: yeah. <laughs> it's not even, a, I'm a worried about getting frozen. My clothes is just like, I feel constrained and it feels better to take off my clothes. Yeah.
0: So Gigi's like takes off her modeling clothes and she's just like in her underwear and she's like, um, she's like gagging and like about to vomit. But she's also just like, she, it's really beautiful because she's like, like got this really fierce makeup on and she's in this like triangular like chair. Like this really big cushiony chair. It's in the shape of a triangle. It kind of looked like the chair from Pee-wee's Playhouse, but without a face and in a triangle. Um, and she's she's you know the the framing is perfect for her. And she's just like gagging and gagging. And I was like, oh, this is making me sick. And then she finally uh, Sarah checks on her, and she finally like vomits up uh, an eyeball, um, the all-seeing eye of Jesse. And then she takes a pair of scissors and just says, I gotta, cu- I have to get her out of me. And she just, uh, okay, was it just me? Or was it weird that she literally just cut herself once? And then she just died? I mean, it's very pretty. Yeah, but I was like, okay, I guess they're not immortal. I don't know. I was a little confused. And see, that's what I mean. This
1: is not, this is just Britney like piecing things together. This is not anything that is like confirmed, obviously. This is just me having fun. That's what I felt like this may have been Gigi's first go around compared to like Sarah. Sarah's a more of an old pro at this because Gigi, I don't know if it's because Gigi is manufactured beauty that her, that she can't handle Jesse or, Ooh. yeah. Or is because mm-hmm. Jesse, maybe Gigi, is actually a good person and she can't handle Jesse's goodness being inside of her and it's, like, conflicting. Like, Ooh, I'm maybe. not sure. Yeah. But... The All re- good theories. Yeah, but the reason I think Sarah's an old pro at this because her friend literally dies. She doesn't even really blink an eye and then she just fucking pops that eyeball in her mouth and eats it.
0: Yeah, like, it's nothing.
1: Crazy. Like, this is, like... I've seen this before. Whatever. Yeah. This-
0: Which, oh. if you want to go the vampire witch angle, like bad witch, obviously not good witch. We're not. We're not after you, Wicca. We promise. It's, you're all good. It's fine. Um. <laughs> anyways, I actually do have some friends that are wicked. Like, cat. They're more casually wicked, but you know, it's all good. It's all good. Anyways, um, if you're if we're talking bad witches or vampires. Um, I'm not going to say good vampires because, um, I'm sorry, like, drinking blood is probably not good for you either. Um, I, I think there's an excuse to say, like, oh, she ate the eyeball to not waste it. But if you are taking a completely, like, realistic narrative to the story, I think you could just be like, oh, she's getting rid of the evidence that they killed Jesse. Yeah, that so could be I think- yeah, I think the first time I watched it, I felt like it was much more supernatural. And the second time, except for the moon scene and the blood, which I was like, it could be a dream sequence. Um, I feel like it was much more realistic. Um, but I, I don't think there's a bad interpretation necessarily. I think it could all be very symbolic about how, you know, the, to to survive in the modeling industry, you do have to basically eat your competitors. Maybe I don't know, but either way, I think is fine. I think either way is cool, and I think both are interesting. I do, I did read some very interesting, um, like theories about, and one was that the house is purgatory that they're in because nobody lives there and it's purgatory. I think that might be far fetched, but okay. Um, and I was like, okay, that's okay. Also, like, I did have a question, uh. Would Jesse have lived if she had fucked Ruby,
1: do you think? That's a good question, because I wonder if the virgin thing came part of the sacrifice, too. Like, if they knew she was a virgin.
0: Maybe Ruby was trying to save her by having sex with her. Because then she'd be like, guys, we can't kill her because I had sex with her. Sorry, she's not a virgin anymore. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I was just curious. I was like, I wonder... Or maybe Ruby didn't know she was 16, though. Now that I'm thinking about it, she may not have told Ruby that she was 16. I don't feel like she ever did. I feel like it
1: was literally, Dean was the only one she told that to. And Roberta, the oh, yeah. Molly oh, yeah. agent, she said,
0: yeah. yeah. She was like, tell everybody you're 19. Well, she didn't hmm. tell her
1: she was 16. She said she was still working on finishing high school, which to me, my first thing up was like, oh, she must be 17, about to be 18. And then when she tells yeah. Dean I turned 16 last month, I was
0: like... yeah exactly you're like oh yeah Yeah, it was pretty it's pretty good was there anything you didn't like about this movie because i feel like well i mean i feel like we talked about most things i liked was there anything you didn't like about this movie not
1: really i felt like it was
0: for for what the
1: movie was going for in the world it was set in i feel like it's a very strong piece
0: myself i will say If I'm going to be negative, the only negative I had was sometimes it felt like the movie kind of stopped just to look pretty Mm. for a little while. Maybe because it's like a model who also like looks herself in the mirror and goes, oh, my God, I'm so beautiful. Obviously, we're not talking about every model, you guys, because we know that there are models in this world who are very humble and sweet. Um, Abby Lee seems very humble and sweet, um, but confident. That's the key. Um, but it, it does feel like maybe it's a little self-indulgent in some points where it's just like like the second time I saw it. The first time I was just like, it was like eye candy, it was great. But like the second time I was kind of just like, Yeah, this is maybe going on a little bit long, but it's pretty. Um and then the I did like that the violence kind of never it's it's genuinely sickening, the violence, because it never cuts away. Um, which I I, I mean, I have to applaud them for that because you know you don't really expect such a violent end in a movie like a girl horror movie i think but i think people often forget that women deal with blood like every not to be gross but every month and like i think there's a lot of like uh, like ginger snaps and other like movies about like puberty in women that puberty is really gross for women <laughs> and like i feel like we have uh, harder stomachs a lot of ways than guys no offense guys It's just, it's just biology. That's all, all I'm talking about. I'm like, I'll say this, like, and I was telling Taylor this one day. I was
1: like, it literally, when your boobs come in, it hurts. Like, it hurts.
0: I don't remember, honestly, because I've had boobs since I was very young. I really don't remember. I I
1: started developing at, like, nine, I think is when I had to start some kind of training brawl. And I remember, like, literally every day just, like, being in pain because you could feel, like, the, it's, like, even now when you're on your period and your breasts are tender, it's, like, just like that. You could feel them growing. It was so tender, and it was so awful, and you feel so awkward. I mean, I'm sure boys do, too, but it's, like... I it's, mean,
0: at least we don't have erections we have no control over that they everyone can see. They flip it up in their waistband.
1: Like, they... Well,
0: it's, only if someone tells you about the trick. If no one tells you about the <laughs> trick, it's just really awkward. Oh. What we're saying is, I, I kind of like that this movie... I don't know, is it, I don't remember Bronson being bloody, but I do remember it being very violent. Was Drive as visceral? Drive
1: does have, like, a very violent scene that a lot, if you hear about the elevator scene, that's, I think, the most violent scene in Drive. Um, I wouldn't say the overall movie is completely violent, but that scene's violent, and there is some violence towards the end, too. But the elevator scene is definitely the most violent scene in Drive, and it's a very visceral, violent scene for sure.
0: So so it's definitely his thing, and it could be that I just haven't—I haven't seen Bronson in years, so it could be that there is some more visceral scene that I'm just not remembering. It is a lot of like people getting beat up in prison, though, and but it's kind of like there's kind of a comedic edge to it, Mm -hmm. so like it's kind of funny. I will say, like, because he's doing like commentary over a lot of it, and he's just kind of a funny guy. Um, I I'm pretty sure, from what I've heard of Only God Forgives, it's much more in the vein of the Neon Demon. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, but there's a lot of neon signs. It takes place in Bangkok, I think. Um, and Ryan Gosling's in it again. Um, but it's a very uh, erotic kind of part that he plays from right I here. And it's like, it, I don't know, it's very weird. It's like his brother gets murdered by a gang and he's his mom wants him to take revenge. And there's something with hands and something sexual. And I'm not really 100 percent sure, but um, it's interesting um i think we kind of touched on all the symbolism the moon the eye triangles the neon red and blue i think there's a lot more blue when jesse's like a lot nicer it's a lot more whites and blues but then she does wear blue when she gets murdered too but when she kind of like gets possessed in that fashion show uh it turns like red like red red yeah, so I'm sure that's symbolic. Or like like Nicholas Finding Refin said, I can't I'm colorblind, so I don't know. It's a bright color. Um that's so amazing because he's such a good like color guy when it comes to directing, and he's just
1: colorblind. Yeah. And kind of like my like little closing like ideas is that like I also read that this was supposed to be an adult fairy tale. Um and it does have a lot of Fairy tale, especially like Grimm, like the original Grimm fairy tales. Yeah. I could, like, because you know, you, you hear about the original Grimm fairy tales and you think about like Snow White's stepmother was made to wear shoes and dance to death, like in burning shoes, or like Cinderella's stepsister's eyes were picked out by dubs. I'm like, yeah, you have this like beautiful girl and she's almost like a princess in a way, and then she's mm-hmm. murdered for like basically falling
0: victim to her but own she, narcissism. Yeah. Which. I feel like... Oh, yeah, she was. Elle Fanning played Aurora in the Maleficent movies, too. Also, if you haven't seen The Great, starring Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt, uh, watch it. It's a great miniseries about Catherine the Great. It's completely fictionalized, and it's very not historically accurate. (laughs) But um, it's a very interesting take on uh, Catherine the Great and, like, uh, royal marriages and, like, arranged marriages and uh revolutions it's very interesting and the cast is really phenomenal um but yeah like she she played a princess before and I can see that there's also like that imagery when she's listening through the wall at the girl being attacked like it's like light all around her and then everything's dark but it kind of almost looks like a forest like the way the pattern is on the wallpaper and stuff so I can see it that I can see that I think that that's quite um an apt judgment I think that's correct. Um, Do we have any final thoughts about it? Good movie.
1: Um, Definitely um, one of those movies I thought it was going to be like a bitchy model thriller. And I was pleasantly surprised about how it wasn't really what I thought it was going to be. It was a very, very different kind of movie. So, yeah. um, Great movie. Uh, Definitely not for everybody. I feel like a lot of the movies we do, I say that a lot, that this isn't for everybody. But the people who find it and it's their thing will love it. Um, I yeah. really, really liked it, for sure.
0: Yeah. What, what would you give it? Oh, uh, probably 8 out of 10. I think I'm on the same page, too. I think 8 out of 10. It's almost a 9, but I will say, like, like I said, it, it, it's less of a storytelling movie and less of, like, a beautiful experience. But also a horrific experience. <laughs> it's beautiful, and then all of a sudden it's terrible. Unfortunately, somebody uh, ruined it for some people on my Instagram Because I was like, oh, we're getting ready to film Neon Demon. And someone was like, I hate the cannibalism scene. I was like, you're like, thanks. You know, some people like to not have movies be ruined for them. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but then I was like, yeah, that's why it's a good movie. Because it's like a horror movie. It's amazing. Um, But it definitely makes me disgustingly sick to my stomach. Yeah, I highly recommend this movie if you want to see how a well-made movie is made. I think it's visually stunning, and I think I think Elle Fanning's really good. I do think she's definitely gotten better, but I think this was a really strong starting point for her. This was, like, her first, like, adult movie, even though she was only 16. Like, I think that she really did where she wasn't just like, hi, I'm Little Miss Innocent. Like, she did Super 8, where she was, like, a kid. Yeah. And she did she had a lot of, like, she did, like, the Aurora movies, which I think that was actually after this. But, you know, usually she got cast as, like, the little sister. Like, her sister is the same thing. Like, they always got cast as, like, the little girl. But I think uh, this was one of the first ones where, like, she really, like, was taking charge of her role and her involvement in the film. And I think she does a really good job. Um, It seems like uh, the director really gives her a lot of credit. So it's probably well-deserved. And honestly, like, the co-stars also were, like, you know, Dakota. Not Dakota. (laughs) L, I almost got through without calling her her sister's name. L. Fanning really like changed the way I saw my character because of how we were acting together, which I, you know I think that's kind of the best kind of working relationship. So I think it's really great. Do you have a rating for it,
1: Brittany? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I had uh, I had two. Um, my favorite, I don't know if you like it or not, uh, was
0: P for Period from Hell. <laughs> I had three. Um, I think my two favorite are, um, rated N for neon necrophilia. Oh. <laughs> Just get it out in the open so people know. Yes. So they, I felt like, I felt bad watching that. I was like, I forgot how graphic this scene was. And I didn't warn Brittany about it at all. Cause I kind of forgot. Okay. So Brit, it's your pick of the week. I'm so excited. It's our last episode before spooktober. October. Okay, so yeah, so um, this is
1: going to be without out. doubt. Um, I'm thinking of ending things, which premieres. <gasps> all, Yay! 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 Yes. Yay! It, uh, Charlie Kaufman, who is best known for Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, but does have an incredible career under his belt. He also did uh, Sindeki New York and, of course, Amelisa. Um, just an amazing, unique film director and she was totally shocked to hear not only was he doing a movie that was going to premiere directly to Netflix, but it's actually a movie based on a thriller novel. So um definitely something that is kind of in our category
0: of yeah. films we do. Yeah. And it stars some like lesser known actors, but it also stars Tony Collette. It does have Miss Tony Collette in it, so and um I always forget his name, but he played Lupin in Harry Potter um and like three through seven uh th- th- he's he has a really weird name i'm sorry sir uh, wait, I, feel
1: that... I feel bad um the main one of the main two characters uh they call him meth damon in breaking bad because he looks a lot like math damon but a meth headed version of it uh,
0: no so yeah uh... he
1: and he's actually married to actors, married to Kristen Dunst in real life, too. Oh, that's
0: cool. Uh, yeah. David Plo- Thelvis. I never know how to say his name. T-H-E-W-L-I-S. He's Professor Lupin in the Harry Potter movies. So, um, if he, is it the guy that plays the boyfriend in this movie? Yes, yes. His name is, there it is, Jesse Plemons. Sorry, Jesse
1: Plemons. You don't really look like a meth head, just only in Breaking Bad. I know, Um, he really
0: doesn't look like a method. He looks so normal. He does.
1: But he does look a lot like Matt Damon, too.
0: Yeah. Oh, I guess they haven't actually gotten married, but they've been engaged since 2017. Oh, he was on Friday Night Lights. Oh, cool. He just seems like such a normal-looking dude. That's so funny that, like, Kirsten Dunst is just, like, because she's been a star since, like, we were children. Like, I always think she's, like, so cool. And then it's just, like, she just married, like, a dude that just, like, he just looks like a nice guy. Maybe he's not, but I hope he is for her sake.
1: Yeah, I think I think he seems like a nice guy, and I'll have to see some interviews with him. Now, his characters he plays, he plays a wide range of characters. He's definitely a character actor, so he was an asshole in Breaking Bad. Uh, spoiler alert for final season of Breaking Bad, but he's an
0: asshole, so... I haven't seen it. Apparently the girl I, I I have seen some of it, but I haven't seen all of it because cancer makes me sad. So I generally like if anything has cancer as a big part of it, I'm like, yep, tuning out right now. Um, by the way, the main actress in I'm Thinking of Ending Things, Jessie Buckley, is Irish and she was on Chernobyl. And oh. Taboo. Oh, my God. She's in this movie that I've been wanting to see called Beast. And it's been on Shutter for the longest time. And I've been wanting to watch it. It's like this woman falls in love with, like, an outsider from her town. And, um, like, she has a really oppressive family. But she thinks he might also be a serial killer. So it's like, do I run away with a serial killer? Or do I stay with my oppressive family? It looks really cool. Um, anyways. So, uh, but that's why her face looks familiar, because I've seen her in the commercials for that, and I've been wanting to see it. So, I'm glad to see her in something, because she looked like she had some talent. Woo! Yeah, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is one of my favorite movies ever. Mine, too. I'm very excited to do this movie. I can't wait. And it comes on Monday! Monday, right? Friday. Friday, Friday,
1: which I probably yeah. won't. so watch perfect for Labor though. Day weekend. So yes,
0: I feel like we should give shout outs to all of our like longtime supporters. We've had a lot of people that have been very supportive, and thanks, thank you guys. Maybe we'll start yeah. doing shout outs at the end. That'd like, be leave awesome. a comment. Yeah, leave a comment on our posts, and we'll. Uh... <laughs> I feel so stupid sometimes saying something like that um anyways leave a comment subscribe and rate us please because that's how more people will hear about it and then we can have like a fan oh no i hate saying fans a listener club Mm -hmm. a grindhouse gals and pals club for all of our gals and pals and everybody who listens we're very thankful and we hope you have a great time and stay spoopy y'all
1: stay
0: spoopy y'all <laughs> okay, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>
1: Good night, Brittany. Nice night, Katie. Bye, Bye moi.
0: The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free. will be in our annotations if you have any questions comments suggestions please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com thanks for listening we'll see you soon